It's the middle with Anthony Weiner on WABC. I know Anthony Weiner for a long time. He was a really bad guy. Taking a step back to look at things with a new perspective. Anthony Weiner, um, I'm not a big fan. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner. I'm Anthony Weiner, and thank you for meeting me in the middle of an hour every Saturday at 2 o'clock when we take some steps away from the hot takes of the far left and the far right and try to bring some context to the news of the week or a subject that perhaps doesn't find its way into the middle of the conversation enough. So great to have you here. I'll be here till 3 o'clock. Then Curtis Lewa comes in for Left versus Right. You can get a hold of us the old-fashioned way, tuning in on 770 on your terrestrial radio. Something that will always work. But you can also get us those high-tech fancy ways that the kids do it. WABCRadio.com or the app, which is always helpful. And you can always call in to be part of the show. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Kevin is on the board. He'll take your, I'm sorry, Kevin's on the calls. He'll take your, your calls. And Ava is on the board. So great to have you along today. If you'd like to reach me on social media. At Rep Wiener is Twitter. I have a, a Threads thing. I knew I was, I was going to forget it. I think it's Anthony D. Wiener on Threads because nobody poached my name yet. Wiener, W-A-B-C at gmail.com. It's great to have you along. It's my second shift today. I want to thank all of you who participated in the show this morning from 7 to 10. I filled in for the great Bo Snurdly. That was a great experience. You know, when you, when you fill in for a slightly different audience, again, I'm not really sure. Curtis says that, there's a lot of interplay between the audiences of different show, but some people do tune in particularly for certain uh, for certain hosts. And so um, it was getting to know another audience another time. I had filled in for Bo during the week before, but it was great. I really enjoyed it. Good conversation. Um, a couple of good calls about Hunter Biden, and we talked a little bit about a few other subjects, but that was great. Uh, it's been great to have the opportunity to fill in on other shows, but this is my home. This is where it all got started. I'm kind of like being sent back to my AAA team, Tidewater, and it's great to have all of you along. Um, got a new record player this week. That's the big news in my household. Now that Jordan's away, like I'm doing things that I haven't had a chance to do. So I, I own a lot of records, but I don't own – I haven't owned a record player for some time now because I don't want to get all the infrastructure that goes with that. Like I don't want to get just a record player, and then you got to get an amp, and then you got to get speakers. And I finally – took the advice to don't let the perfect be the enemy of the good. Get just a regular small record player that has a little built-in amp and speaker and whatever. So I got that. And the funny thing is my 
I've, I've got this beautiful old 1950s era Magnavox phonograph player. That's a piece of furniture. Like for those of you who are a little older in the audience, remember they used to like build them in. It's like little tables. And so I've had that for the longest time. It doesn't work anymore. The guts are all there. I'm sure I can find someone to repair it. I went online just for the heck of it just to see how valuable it was. It's not It's not in great shape. And I had this idea of putting the new phonograph player in the old Magnavox. You know, it has one of these lids that lifts up. That didn't wind up working out. But now I've got this new record player, so I'm playing some of my records again. And that's good news for me, but probably bad news for Kevin Josh, who runs the, the show around here, because now I'll have new music that I'll be interested in trying out, and he'll have to go find it. But he's, he hasn't failed me yet. He hasn't failed me yet. Uh, the Mets and Yankees, I don't want to talk about it. Maybe Curtis and I will talk about it. The real thing I want to talk about Curtis with Curtis when he comes in at 3 o'clock, he knows his Gilgo Beach stuff backwards and forwards. He has sources inside all these different police departments. And he, if for those of you who missed him on the overnight, you might think to yourself, is all, is all Anthony doing listening to <laughs> listening to? The, uh, yes, I mean, I do. I listen to the stuff here. I'm a fan. Anyway, he did this excellent download on reasons that this Gilgo Beach thing should have been maybe solved sooner and at very least why we might be getting over our skis complimenting other people, you know, complimenting them for doing it when there are real reasons to be skeptical of the Suffolk County authorities and why it took so long. So we're going to talk to him. But I also want to talk to him about the, a little bit about the Mets and Yankees. I mean, the Mets, they lose 6 to nothing their first game back. Verlander walks 6. You can't do that against any team, but particularly not against the Dodgers. And then to only put up one hit. And the one hit part sounds probably sounds familiar to Yankee fans. The Yankees haven't, haven't hit in forever. And they're now in last place in the AL East. I mean, they're tied, but, man, I mean, they have a shorter route to getting back into playoff contention, but they just don't look any good. Um, neither of them do. Uh, just before we got on the air here, Bibi Netanyahu taken to a hospital in Israel. Oh, he's doing well. Um, and I tell you, here's my problem. So I, I did the, the morning show this morning, 7 to 10. It was great. Enjoyed it. I don't think I was, I think I was okay. You know, I'm, I'm learning. I'm still learning. I'm still getting my legs under me. I'm getting a little better at this. The calls were excellent. Like people really took it to me. Um, but I'm doing this thing now. I'm trying to have more protein in my diet and less starch and sugar, right? So what I do is I make a bunch of hard boiled eggs at the beginning of the week. And then I'll do a couple of hard boiled eggs as my breakfast, heavy in protein, fairly pretty filling. And the way I make them is I put them in my, um, uh, what do you, uh, my air fryer. I put it on low temperature for like 16 minutes. Basically, I try to reproduce what it would be like, about like 260 degrees for like 16 minutes. And then I put them in ice water, and then I put them in my fridge. Usually, that works out just fine. For some reason, this week's batch, I could not peel them. And then when I did peel them, they were a little kind of, you know, you get kind of that discoloration around the yolk. I have no idea what I'm doing wrong. If anyone wants to call in and Tell me what I'm doing wrong. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-922. One thing I don't think it is, I don't think it's the boiling part. I don't think the egg knows how it's getting hot. So if you're going to say, oh, don't use an air fryer, it's just easier. Less, you know, I don't have to put water in. I have to little dishes and everything. I just put them directly in there. And it's worked in the past. You know, we have to try to get on the phone for this. He's not going to be happy. Let's see if we can get – my brother Jason Weiner is a chef. He's a chef at, at – uh, he owns Almond out in Bridgehampton, used to have a restaurant here in Manhattan. He's the talented Weiner. As a matter of fact, I think he has a tattoo that says that. 
he's you know he he's a chef. He's been he's been doing it for a long time in whatever it is. They make the most amazing deviled eggs. There is one of their you know it's a bistro kind of thing. He makes them maybe he the problem with calling Jason. I mean I love him. The problem with calling is he does not miss a chance to kind of make me feel like I'm an idiot for asking dumb questions. And this is kind of in that category. Let's see if we, we can get J- Jason on the phone. And then and um, if we do, maybe we can ask him about my deviled egg problem. And if you want to call in and help me with my deviled eggs before we get to the numbers of the week. Um, oh, we have him here. Let's get Jason Weiner on the phone. Jason, are you are you with us? I'm here, Anthony. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm sure against your will. I know you're very busy. I know there's a busy season for you out there. How are things out there in the Hamptons? Is it busy? Things are great. Busy, busy, but never too busy to take a moment out of my day to school you a little bit yeah, on you're things just, that you should know about by now. You've already been positioned as the good guy in, in this brotherhood, so you don't have to posture and be nice. The audience doesn't – they're not going to like say, oh, that's Jason. Let's have him back as a regular. All right, here's the problem I'm having. Now, you have these amazing deviled eggs. So you must make hard-boiled eggs. So my problem is I have basically three problems. You can tell me one is that the shells sometimes they come off, sometimes they don't. So I don't. I want to understand what is the magic of making a hard-boiled egg peel easily. What do you guys do? Well, you know, you have to cure your egg first. You have to leave it out on the counter for like a day. You don't want your egg. You don't want your egg to be too fresh. Like a, an egg right from the farm stand is not an egg you want to use to make a deviled egg. It'll it'll definitely stick. So there's that. Well, what's, what's just just give us with, give, give me 15 yeah. seconds on the chemistry behind that. What what why? Oh, no, I have no I have no clue. I just know that fresh eggs don't work as well as an egg that's been sitting around for a minute. And They're so, not bad. They just need to sit around for a minute. And so leaving it out for a day before I boil them, that won't make the egg yeah, go bad? That's, that's, they, they, oh, no, you can leave eggs at room. I mean, we don't at the restaurant. We're not allowed to, but you can leave eggs at room. Grandma Finkelman, I don't know if you remember this. She left. There was never an egg in the refrigerator. <laughs> that's that's never my mom. An egg in the refrigerator. By the way, speaking of Grandma Finkelman, Fran Wiener, our mom, for the 6th Street Block Association block party would make these kick-ass deviled eggs. I should be asking her. Bomb. Bomb deviled eggs. Yeah, they were really mom great. Completely. Anyway, so uh, so there's that, and then you all, like a lot of people start with cold water, and then put it, and then and then put it in the cold water, and then have it come to a boil, and then turn it off, whatever. This is what you do: you start with boiling water with no eggs in there, and then you gently, in a towel, just so the eggs don't break, or in a basket or something, drop the eggs, lower the eggs into the water, with the water boiling the whole time, ten minutes, shock in ice, they'll peel right off. And you got your perfect egg. And what about, and why am I getting, all right, so 10 minutes in water that's pre-boiled. Yes. I, I don't understand the towel part, but okay. Well, just so you eggs, because so, you're, you're going into actively boiling water. You don't want to break your eggs. Oh, I see. And that stops them from banging into each other. Okay. Yeah, so, right. so, and then you take my, you put them in ice water. And then now I keep them in the fridge. I don't eat them all at once. I'm not like Cool Hand Luke here. I'm not doing 25 eggs at once. That, Is, won't, that shouldn't matter. Shouldn't matter shouldn't at all. Matter. It shouldn't matter, but the you're cooking cooking the outside of the egg really fast is 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 definitely doing something where you're constricting the yolk and uh, I'm sorry the white and pulling it away from the shell. You should have no problem peeling your egg at that point. All right, all right. I have two other related problems, and thank you. We have Jason Weiner, the chef. What are you pro- putting in your deviled egg? I'm afraid to ask because I mean I don't you do are the- a keen intellect, but you know nothing zero about food. So First I'm, of all, I'm I- afraid to ask how you make a deviled egg. How you were making a double day. By the way, we're going to make your keen intellect into a bumper for my program now. Thank you for that. <laughs> You're the first person to say that. First, I'm not making devil eggs. I'm just hoovering eggs. At, you know, I'm not a big food guy like you are. So oh, I'm just. I'm just. Then, but right, if I would, if I bad. was, if I was, I would do 
mayonnaise, mustard, paprika, okay. and then I'd be done. Not bad. Nah, not okay. you, don't really need the, you don't really need the paprika, but I, I've heard, I've heard worse come out of your mouth. Oh, but that's, not bad. <laughs> that's a little color, a little color on the top. All right, a second, a second thing I'm getting, maybe you can explain this, is, you know, your deviled eggs, when the eggs come out, they're like bright orange yolks. Mine, I get this greenish kind of film around the yeah, outside. You're overcooking, you're overcooking your eggs, just nine or ten minutes. 10 minutes, depending on the side, but 10 minutes should be good. You're overcooking the egg. That's from an overcooked egg. When they have that gray color, ah. they get in like the diner, you know, niçoise salad. That's from an overcooking overcooked egg. All right. All right. I got one more thing. Then I'm going to let you go before you land any more right crosses. <laughs> um, the other thing I'm having, and maybe it's related to the things you've already said. Sometimes I'll peel the, the shell off and I'll get like a skin will be on the outside of the egg. It, it, that's, is that the membrane between the egg and the shell that isn't fully yeah. coming off? I don't know. Yeah, that's just the egg. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. That's an egg. Okay. Yeah, just pull, take that out. Don't, don't stress on that. You're, you have you're any, do you have any questions for me about NATO or about the Yankees or anything like that? Because I don't want to hold you any no, longer. No, I'm good. I'm all, I'm all full up on, on Hunter Biden. Yeah, oh, shut up. I'm good. Shut up. <laughs> shut up. All right. Well, that's Jason Weiner. Jason, thank you very much. I love you. Take care. Love that, you, brother. That, okay. That's Bye-bye. Jason Weiner telling us all about hard-boiled eggs. So the bottom line for him was don't do the started-out cold thing. Now, I didn't have the heart to tell him that I was making him in an air fryer because that just would have been 15 minutes of ridicule, which I don't, I have enough problems in my life. All right, let me do a few numbers of the week. Thank Jason Weiner, Almond Restaurant out in uh, Bridgehampton. We should, we should get him advertising on the show. Let me do some numbers of the week. Every week I like to do a few numbers that sometimes bring into context things that we're talking about in the news. And the first one is $14 million, $14 million a day is how much, on average, the 500 richest people have added to their fortune so far this year in the first six months. Isn't that crazy? $14 million a day. So if you were one of the 500 richest people on earth, um, actually, I don't know if that's on earth or in this country, but 500 richest people, you've added $14 million a day. That's amazing. They've added as much in a day as Kevin Josh makes in a year. That is amazing. Um, the next number is $25,000 per year. 95% of SAG-AFTRA members that, you know, they're on strike now. And we are here just in just by by way of full disclosure. We here are SAG-AFTRA. We're a different part of, of SAG-AFTRA, but they're, a sister, they're part of our same union, but we're not on strike. 95% SAG-AFTRA members make less than $25,000 a year, okay? So $25,000 a year, 95% make it. $280 million, that's what the CEOs of Apple, Netflix – Amazon, Disney, Paramount, and Comcast made last year. Now, just when you take a look at those companies, they made $115 billion in profits so far this year. And they have done $104 billion, those companies, in stock buybacks. And what are stock buybacks? That's when you have money and you don't want to invest it in buying new programming you don't want to invest it in giving your employees a raise. You don't want to invest in our country, you know, like building a building. You buy your own stock back to drive up the co- the price of the stock and make all of the executives more wealthy because their compensation is often tied to that. So when you see this strike going on and you see these fancy movie stars outside, you know a couple of things. One, you know that they're the, the minority. They're the 5% of that union that – does it in Muslim or don't make much money at all. And the other thing you know is this crying poverty 
by these companies that things are so bad. I mean, the one thing we all did during COVID, the one thing we still continue to do is we watch our, we watch, we watch TV, and those companies are making big profits. They're giving a lot to executives and doing a lot in the form of stock buybacks. And the final number of the week, and this will take us into the break, and we'll talk about this when we get back, is 12. 12 is the original number of members of the North American Treaty Organization, NATO. It is now 31, and with the approval uh, with, with Finland joining this year and with Sweden getting a green light finally after some contentious discussions with Turkey, now they're going to be joining. And I want to talk a little bit about that. I talked a little bit about this morning. I want to talk to you all about that, why that is really, really good news. It is something that we should be proud of as a, as a country and something that if you are China or Russia, you should be very concerned about. And we'll do that when we get back. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. So great to have you along. 800-848-WABC if you want to get up on the board. I want to thank Jason Weiner for joining in. I want to thank Ava and Kevin for helping out on the other side of the board. And we'll see you on the other side. what Ava did there. I am the Eggman. I was wondering where it was going with this song. That's why she's the pro. We're back on the middle. It's Anthony Weiner. We'll be here till 3 o'clock. And then Curtis comes in for left versus right. He's going to give us a little bit of rundown on, on Gilgo Beach on those murders. I have some questions. I'm not, I'm not obsessed with this thing. I'm not a true crime kind of guy. I didn't follow the case very carefully. But now that it's quote unquote been solved, I have questions. And this morning, Curtis was doing an expose, expository conversation about kind of as with Curtis, man, uh, you know, look, let's face it about Curtis. He's one fry short of a happy meal. There's no doubt about it. But he knows stuff that other people don't know. And he's going to talk a little about that. We're also going to talk about the latest RFK Jr. thing. The one good thing about assassination conspiracy theories, they're the last conspiracy theories that aren't anti-Semitic in any way. And uh, according to the New York Post, RFK Jr. even has anti-Semitic, even he has some anti-Semitic conspiracy theories. So we're going to talk about that a little bit as well. So as we went to the break, the last number of the week was about NATO. And I and I look, I think that one of the great kind of unexamined success stories of the last year and a half. Let's take let's go even further back five years ago, standing in Helsinki. Donald Trump, even his most ardent supporters, would say that standing in Helsinki across from from Putin 
and saying, I trust Putin more than my own security agencies, and I have no reason not to believe Putin. Basically, I think it was embarrassing. Now, back in Helsinki five years later at the same event, look how much stronger NATO is than it was then. You know, it's actually, you know know who, who had the funniest line this week about NATO? It was the former vice president, now candidate for um, for President Pence. Listen to what he had to say. A year and a half ago, Russia had the second most powerful military in the world. Today, they have the second most powerful military in Ukraine. All right? That's progress. Now, there, there's some interesting. One, I think that's a funny line. It's a good line. It's true. But that response, notice how tempered and awkward that response was. It's because he was speaking to a group in Iowa, a, a hard right organization in Iowa that all the candidates spoke before. And I'm going to get to that, the the Republican response to what's going on in Russia, Ukraine, and NATO in a minute. But he's right. Russia, if Russia thought we were going to invade Ukraine because NATO is weak, um, boy, we now have two, there are going to be two additional uh, members. NATO has never been more muscular. Even countries within NATO that many on the left and right had criticized for its posture in this modern world. You know, we knew that, you know, of letting America be the policeman for the world. Even those countries are stepping up even more because this is all going on in their backyard. I mean, NATO is continuing to grow. And I just want to want to just say something to my friends on the left and the right who have somehow made NATO the bad guy in this invasion by Putin of Ukraine. NATO is not an organization that goes out and tries to find people to be in it. People want, countries want to be in NATO. They are a defensive organization. Their job is they don't attack anyone. They respond when when countries are attacked. If a country feels that they need to be in NATO or want to be in NATO, what does that tell you about what they believe is in their self-interest? They believe that they face some kind of threat. And so when Ukraine has been lobbying, petitioning, fetching about not being in NATO since, since, you know, for, you know, since 2008, even before, you know, since 2008. It's because they, they knew that, you know, they knew that they needed to be in a defensive organization. And now with countries are lining up Sweden, Sweden, for goodness sakes. Changing their laws to satisfy Turkey so they'd be admitted. These countries understand the threats that they're under. And so when the when the 31 nations of NATO got together this week, they were not only responding to Russia, they were also responding to China. 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. Now, there is something going on in the Republican Party, and maybe callers can express their su- support for this idea. There's something going on in the Republican Party a party that used to be a strong national defense party that has some, some, I, I mean, what do you call it? Isolationist streaks within it that are now saying this, this, we weren't, you know, we want nothing to do with this. It's their problem. That it's, a, it's something that they share with the far left of my party. The kind of the peacenik wing, the argue, you know, you, you can talk through everything kind of thing. I don't think it's real politic. I don't think that it's realistic. It's more like let's just hope. 
But on both sides, there are some people that have said, oh, it's our fault, the United States, because we we didn't say that Ukraine was not going to be in NATO, even though it's pretty clear. I mean, everyone kind of saw that we weren't going to do that anytime soon. And if only we had said no. Well, we kind of did. For We've been putting them off, kicking the can, kicking the can. Anyone who knows anything, about who reads the New York Times, knows that we were kicking the can because we didn't want to, to do anything that would be destabilizing. But I want you just to understand one thing that Putin wants you to forget. And that is if he invaded Ukraine as a defensive measure against NATO, okay, hear me out, and he takes over Ukraine, he then has four NATO nations at his border, where now he has, uh, where Ukraine is not even a a, a NATO uh, neighbor, a NATO uh, country. Right? Because now the countries that border Ukraine are going to be Russia. So this whole idea that he's trying to create a buffer between NATO and his border, no, he's putting NATO on his border. Now, we got an interesting call this morning and done a little reading of it. It is an interesting idea. What would have happened if we would have offered Russia NATO membership back in the day? Brought them completely into the fold. An interesting thought. An interesting idea. Now, a lot of the countries that are in NATO at the time during this period have deep suspicions of Russia for a lot of reasons. But maybe we could have done more. It's the whole argument for the Marshall Plan. Maybe we should have done something more like that with Russia. But putting all that aside, if you just look at our two universally acknowledged rivals in the world, and I'm not saying they're the only countries that do things that, were, that are problematic. You've got Iran and things like that. But the ones that are the big, the big guys on the block. If China and Russia were one and one A, now you've got Russia on its heels, losing a war. Not, you know, who knows how it's going to turn out, but this has been a debacle for them. And China, who climbed in bed with Putin and is now regretting it. And so when they, when NATO gets together in Helsinki and they put out a communique signed by all 31 nations, it talks about Russia. And Russia, if you do, if you do anything, the threaten, including, you know, using nuclear weapons, all, all hell is going to come down on you. But it also has language, a lot of language in this joint communique about China. You know, language about how the PRC seeks to control technological industrial se- sectors. It uses economic leverage for strategic dependencies and enhance its influence. It strives to subvert rule-based international order. And it brushes back China. It says, China, we stand here in alliance against you as well. So this has been a good week for NATO, a good week for all of us, the citizens of the United States, who hope that we don't have to send our men and women into war. And the best offense is a good defense. And there have been efforts to weaken NATO. They were unsuccessful from both within our country and from our enemies, unsuccessful. And we don't celebrate wins as much as we should, maybe. that That's a win. Anytime a defensive organization stands together that links countries like Sweden and Poland with the United States and France and Germany standing up against countries like Russia and China, that's good. So it's a week of wins. I don't know who you want to give credit to. I'm avoiding giving credit to anyone. But look, it's a much stronger NATO than it was just a few years ago today.
800-848-WABC, 800-848. We're going to go to a quick break and come back right back with the calls. 800-848-9222. This is The Middle. I'm Anthony Weiner. I'm taking you to 3 o'clock. So grateful that you're along. And we'll see you on the other side of the break. Is the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. It's murder on the dance floor. You better not kill the groom. DJ, gonna burn this goddamn house right down. Oh, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. About your. Welcome back to the middle. That's Sophie Ellis Baxter. I, I don't know how I didn't know her. Kitty introduced me to her, and not like now it's all I'm listening to. Maybe Vinny Badunio, who's out at out in Staten Island at five o'clock, go stop and say hello to him. Request that song, "Murder on the Dance Floor." So we're talking a little bit about NATO. We're talking a little bit about uh, eggs. <laughs> and they say I don't bring the high quality material. We have Ava on the board, Kevin taking your calls, 800-848-WABC, 800-848-9222. I, I, I defy you. Anywhere on the dial, if you find someone doing hard-boiled eggs and NATO in the same one-hour show, go listen to them. This is You don't get that everywhere. I don't know if that's good or bad. Let's go to George in Rockland. Hey, George, welcome back. Hey, how are you doing, Anthony? So listen, I, first I'd like to talk about the eggs, but then I'd like to... Uh, Make a comment if you let me, obviously, okay? So about eggs, right? Uh, the idea here is, uh, I guess, uh, the person you interviewed initially here is to boil them, I would say, no more than 10 minutes. And then after, take the eggs and put them very quickly into ice-cold water. By doing it, it uh, you'll make sure they will not stick, okay? Don't ask me. The science behind it, but it works, okay? You know, don't boil it more than 10 minutes, but it has to have to be boiled. George, you mean, you told me exactly the same thing my brother, the chef, told me. You should have called in earlier. But what's your well, other point? Well, you didn't let me get in, okay? So. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Go ahead. Okay, okay. my other point is, like, uh, you touched it earlier, okay? When you were talking about uh, the people go went on strike, don't really, don't make much money. But then on the other hand, uh, those... Uh, People who run the company makes billions of dollars, okay? And I find it kind of interesting because because those people on the lower end here are big, big supporters of the Democrats and, uh, you know, and, and, and this administration, the Biden administration here. Ooh, the, the head of Comcast is a supporter of the Democrats? No, they're not. Well, I, I'm talking, I, you know, I, 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 I'm saying a lot of them, okay? You know, the Zuckerberg, the, you know, the majority of them, the ones that are 
you know, that are uh, running those companies. No, they, this whole uh, – can I tell you something there? I think there is a fair a fair thing you can say that people in the entertainment – thank you, George. Yeah, people in the entertainment business are – there are a lot of Democrats, a lot of liberals, a lot of progressives there. But the guys that do these deals, these suits that run Netflix, the suits that run Comcast, the suits that run Paramount, they're not like they, – they, they don't live – they don't live those values when they're dealing with their employees. That's why I just try to try to make that point with those numbers. Yeah, probably your average run-of-the-mill Hollywood star is probably a Democrat. I think that's fair to say. But when it comes to like the $25,000 a year person that works for SAG that gets a job every three years, whatever it is, you know, don't compare them to the CEOs. The CEOs don't care about those people. They never do. Let's go to Andrew and Stanhope. Hey, Andrew, thank you. Welcome back. I can tie your brother and the egg story to my serious comment and also the SAG comment. Because you said um, 95% only make $25,000 or less, but that's in the acting. A lot of them work in your brother's restaurant as waiters. That's their day job. (laughs) That's true. Good point. And um, I want to say with your brother's restaurant and the natural gas stoves, in your promo, you had said, oh, well, it's only whatever, like uh, 100 or so uh, ovens for those wood-burning stoves, but not in New York City. But natural gas in general is being blocked by Democrats in New York State and in Pennsylvania. When I worked with Fox 56, the Democrat Shapiro, he ran, and they all suddenly said, okay, we support natural gas fracking, but it's been over a year and they're blocking it. And that's a national security issue, too, because we want to be. But Andrew, but here, I'll, I'll let you finish your point. But but something the point that I made in my podcast about the um, pizza ovens is that this is not a global warming issue. People have been lying about that. This is about people who live next to these ovens that cause a lot of soot and they don't want to live near them. So they have rules. You're right. And your brother probably doesn't want to use those electric stoves. But what do you? If you want to make a comment, I'll I'll hang up and listen. On natural gas, it's cleaner than oil, and uh, it would make us energy independent, create economic growth in New York State and Pennsylvania. And also, just quickly, when you said that your left wing they think talking, but even though talking won't resolve it, why do we have to be involved in the first place? And NATO, that makes our soldiers safer, but don't we have to fight if that country's attacked? So doesn't that make our soldiers, in a way, more at risk, even though I support NATO? But I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, I appreciate it, Andrew. Let me just have a one, one and great call. I just want to have a little bit of clarification on the oven thing. The point that I was making, by the way, this is my podcast, The Middle Unplugged. Um, this week I did an episode primarily about Joe Biden having seven grandkids and how I think it's outrageous that he keeps saying he has six. But I also do Ask Anthony at the end where I I took a question from one of our listeners about this pizza oven controversy, which is completely, completely made up. It's really crazy. It's a summer issue. And and the, 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 the whole thing, no one's trying to ban any ovens. All they're doing is that there are people that live next to coal fired and and wood fired these ovens. And if they are not if they're not if the smoke isn't treated, isn't filtered in some way. If you live nearby to those ovens, you get soot, just like we used to at PS39 when, when you live near the old public schools that burn coal. 
And it just says you got to put in some kind of if you, it doesn't even say you have to. It's only some of them have to put in some kind of a system in their chimney to vent to vent them. And it's not for global warming. It's just because we live right next to each other. You can't have these ovens that are spewing soot um, that is very bad in people's lungs and people live nearby. And so they went to their, their city council and said, have a vote on this. And they put in these regulations. OK, putting that aside for a minute. But the thing about NATO is that, yeah, if, if one of our member countries is attacked, it does mean that we all have to. So, example, when we were attacked on September 11th, NATO was act, was activated to, to join our international fight against terrorism. Um, but the thinking is countries that are in NATO generally don't get attacked. Not never. Generally don't get attacked because of the defensive posture and how strong and muscular NATO is. Is Now, I have not come on this radio station in the past and said, I think Ukraine should be a NATO member. I haven't said that. And they're not going to become a NATO member anytime soon. I know that. And if I know that, a blockhead like me knows that, then surely Putin knows that. Now, I will say this one caveat. I will say the caveat is that in 2014, when Putin moved against, um, against the Donbass region, and we didn't do enough. And we, you know, and there was a little bit of ambivalence. We went back. To, I think we had the Olympics, you know, and people protested a little bit. But we didn't do enough. It might have sent Putin the message that it was okay. But I will say this. Right before this all happened, you remember, and I and I was on with, with Curtis. It was just as we were starting to work together. When, when Biden was doing something you never see presidents do. They said, we have intelligence. We're going to release it showing that Russia is about to attack. We want to tell you guys, don't do it. All of NATO is going to be is going to be jumping down. We're going to treat this as, as an act of war against all of us. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Putin miscalculated, and now he's up to his eyeballs and problems. I'm not saying that we did every step exactly right. But I am saying that so stronger NATO is that if Putin says it's because, oh, I didn't want NATO at my doorstep, baloney. Nobody, nobody. The, the, the Ukrainians were complaining at the top of their lungs for years, let us into NATO, let us into NATO. If we were going to do it, we would have done it. We didn't do it because we would want to, you know, antagonize the Russians. Now, you, like I said, you can argue it both ways. Putin is making up an excuse. Putin wants to be this internet. He wanted to reassemble the USSR. He doubted the resolve of NATO. He was wrong, and that's good for all of us, for all of us. Let's go to Sal on Long Island. Hey, Sal. Hey, Anthony. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome. Uh, you, go, you go on with the numbers every week, and I love them, but you never mention number 55. What's that? Uh, number 55 is for the first time after 55 years, since 1967. We have a, a White House with no Clintons, no Bushes, no Chanis, and thank God no Pelosi. Wait a minute. What are you saying? I mean, Pelosi was never in the White House. You mean what what happened 55 years ago? Who who went to the White House? I'm, I'm lost. For the, the f- first for the first time after 55 years, I said. I know, but who was in 55 years ago? I mean, there was no oh, Bu- there was- Bush started in 92. I'm sorry. Bush was elected in 80 Bush senior. Yeah, he was elected in 88, wasn't he? Okay, but the first time after 55 years, I said. I know. I'm trying to figure out your math. Bush was elected in 90, in, I'm sorry, in 88. 
Am I right about that? Uh, maybe. So maybe. that's not you, that's you, not you, that, you, no, but that's not fifty. That, me. That's not fifty-five years ago. For the first time after fifty-five years, Sal. Fifty-five yes. years ago would have been the nineteen sixty nineteen sixties. There was no Bush in the White House in the nineteen sixties, nor was there a Clinton. How do you right. get? How do you get? How do you get fifty-five years? I'm asking. Well, Bush Senior, Bush Senior was in the White House in uh, nineteen. Uh, what, what was it? Nineteen sixty-seven, I think. What do you no? mean? You, well, Bush Senior in sixty-seven. Oh, you might in government in any place in government. You mean? Yeah, any, oh, yeah, oh, any oh, place oh, in government. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, you can probably even go back further than that. Okay. I, 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 you said in the White House. That got very confusing. Yes, it's been a well, while. Well, in the government, the White House, Congress, Senate. Was he senator or congressman before? Or was the governor? But, I don't know. But okay, but no, they've been in government for a long time. Yes, that's certainly true. Right. And so is Nancy Pelosi. So yes, for, for the first time in a long time, we don't have any of those. I'll try to work those into the numbers of the week in the future. Next, let's go to Neil in Brooklyn. Hey, Neil, thanks for joining us. Hi. Yeah. When uh, while Obama was president, I went to a thing at the 92nd Street Y. It was like a presentation. And Paul Williams, the songwriter who was president of uh, ASCAP at the time, said that he he had a sit down with the Obama administration and they talked about copyright infringement on songs and intellectual properties and that the administration acknowledged that there's a problem with China. Okay. now. when Bush became president and he started to at least, you know, rattle his swords about that, along with Pompeo, you know, about, uh, you know, sanctions on them and and just, you know, resolving this problem. Uh, to your knowledge, did the I know there was a lot of fog and, and Trump wasn't able to finish some things, initiatives. But was there any uh, progress made on, on intellectual properties and songwriting? Yeah, it's a great question. So China. China steals stuff. They reverse engineer stuff. They steal. There was a big problem with software back in the day when I was in Congress. One of the reasons I voted to admit China into the WTO, this was a Bill Clinton initiative in 2000, I want to say, was the argument that was made is if you get China into a rules-based system, they're going to have to start behaving themselves. That was wrong. Didn't happen. It didn't happen. Um, China, now, the latest effort to stop China is this CHIPS Act that just got passed in Congress, Bipartisan CHIPS Act. You know, people talk about all the things that don't get done in Congress. That got done. Strongly incentivizes the creation, the production of chips here, computer chips here. Tries to cut off China chips from coming here. um, And focuses like a laser beam on the technology that right now represents the biggest threat. But China has been... It's been a real problem. They steal music. They steal software. They steal technology of all sorts. They get it there. They reverse engineer it. They disregard copyrights. They disregard trademarks. They disregard all kinds of patents. It's a a problem. They are not. They don't play by the rules. And that's why if you look around your home right now and look at all um, all of the products that are made in China, one of the ways that they are able to do it so cheaply is by stealing technology. And, you know, Donald Trump was like sanctions, uh, was about tariffs, tariffs, tariffs to make it more expensive for them. The real way to make it more expensive for them is make it harder for them to steal our technology. It's very hard. When, when, when so much of the economy is zeros and ones or digitized information, it's very, very hard to crack down. So you've got to figure out. So now 
we do have a hook that the actual physical hardware of the chip has become such an important part of our economy. It's in everything we have from your phone to your car to your to your switchboard when you work at a radio station to everything. Even your dishwasher has a chip in it nowadays. So the CHIP Act was this way of trying to crack down a lot of incentives for companies. You can only get those incentives if you're in the United States of America or manufacturing here. Strong limitations on what you're allowed to bring in from China. We're trying to strangle their chip business. And that ultimately will be the way that we get back at China. We're going to go to a break. 800-848-WABC. This is The Middle. Coming up at 3 o'clock, Curtis Lee was going to come in, going to give us all the latest information he knows about Gilgo Beach murders. Also, we're going to talk a little bit about RFK Jr., I mean, this guy, his latest thing is COVID was engineered by Jews or to be immune, have Jews be immune from it. There's more anti-Semitism in this conspiracy theory world than anywhere else. It's great to have you here. Ava on the other side with Kevin. Thank you so much. We'll see you on the other side. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. It's the middle with Anthony Weiner, 77 WABC. Ellis Bexter bringing us back in. My new discovery. Now they have a record player to find some place that has records of hers. I don't know. I just did. It was the 90s, I guess. I got to ask Kitty. I think it was the 90s, and so I just missed it. She's great. No Vinnie Badunio, but she's great. So we're talking about NATO. We're talking about eggs. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Let's go back to the calls. It's better not to be who I think it is. Mo in New York City. Mo. What's going on, pal? 
Hey, Anthony, this is the first time I'm calling into your show. It's great. And what, what I wanted to say was this. You know, you got great coverage between, you know, the good and bad news. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of, different, a lot of different media outlets that don't cover the news correctly. And so I appreciate hearing the good news. And, you know, now that NATO is a little stronger, that's great. It makes me feel safe. What I, what I don't hear covered or what I hear mistakenly covered is the Paris riots, where I had two good friends come back and they say they don't see any protesters. Also, the Chinese sending seeds over here, and all of a sudden, infestation of spotted lantern flies yeah. everywhere. Yeah, the Chinese are attacking. The Chinese are attacking us with lantern flies. Is that what you think, Mo? They're sending. Well, well, are they trained? I, I'm not, I'm they not tra- saying. I'm not. They're trained not to be killed by anything. Anything. There's no natural predator. Yeah, I know. But what do you, you think? The Chinese. You think the PCR is like the PC? What are they called? The the the. Do you think the Chinese are sending over trained lantern flies to undo us? Or the cocoons or whatever it is. You know, these insects are probably indestructible. All you, all you have to do is smash them, but they turn into they, they metamorphosis. They don't turn into anything. Different. You've been watching too many Marvel movies, Mo. They don't turn into they turn into mush when you stamp them. Good grief! The lantern fly is not sent over here as some conspiracy. Why does everything have to be a conspiracy with multi levels? Why can't it just be that some bug climbed into a thing? Hey, if you're really concerned about this, don't buy anything made in China anymore. There. Problem solved. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. I mean, I want to see one of these politicians look around their office or look around their home when they're doing these these things on Fox about how we got to get the Chinese. Just stop buying their products. When you're buying $5 pair of jeans at, at Walmart, it's because... They're not made in the United States anymore. And the lantern flies and the Asian longhorn beetles, this is, they, they come over here and they don't have any predators over here, but they're coming on all these shipments that come over. And people want to cut the budget of customs and whatever, and that's what happens. They, they hitch a ride. Not everything has to have a sinister motive. It can just be because we didn't do a good job screening whatever boat. But the mecha- look the, the 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 mechanism that we have to stand up to countries like China, to stand up to countries like Russia, are one economic. That's how we we use our dollars and cents. Two regulatory legally, like we pass laws to make it harder for their products to come in. And then diplomatically, and that's what NATO is. It's a, it's an organization that kind of says you better not do anything or else, which is what basically diplomacy is all about. And you can't be someone who stands up and says, oh, we're the, we, we don't want to be the policemen of the world and then say, oh, yeah, but we don't want to have any of these multinational organizations that help us, help us uh, um, with the load. But good for NATO. Now, I don't know if you want to send cluster munitions to Ukraine and I don't know what the end is going to bring in that conflict. It looks like it's three yards in a cloud of dust here, but we're not going to solve every problem. But we did get some great calls, another great conversation. Great having you along in the middle. If you missed any of this, you can get it as a podcast. I want to tell you how grateful I am, grateful for all the support to make this, this show a success. People have been tuning in. I want to thank you for that. The professionals on the other side who helped the technology of this stuff, Ava, Kevin, and Kevin. Curtis Lee was going to be coming up at 3 o'clock for Left versus Right. I hope you stick around for that. Great to have you.
and see you soon. 